Well, happy Mother's Day. I'm Pastor Allen. We're glad that you're here. And uh, we're starting a new series called Family Matters. And today's topic is uh, Moms Make a Difference. But before we get there, last week we have our, our kind of uh, recruitment of volunteers. It was called I Love My Church. We handed out a card like this. Some of you weren't here, so we want to hand them out today. Some of you were here, and I know you just forgot to fill it out. So that's why we didn't get one from you. So we're giving you a chance to, to remind you and fill that out. And uh, our goal is 100% participation, volunteering for something. Now, if you don't want to volunteer for one of those big categories on the back, and again, this is just to have a conversation. You're not automatically signing up for anything. Just have a conversation. You can write something on the front. We have somebody, we have a couple, actually they're guys usually, they count the money, the offering plate. And so he wrote that on the front. <laughs> That's what he does. That's his volunteers. Somebody folds the bulletins and stuffs them. Uh, so whatever it might be. Some of you might just be involved in, not just, but involved in prayer ministry. That's not listed there. So our goal again, 100% participation. Uh, to be part of the team, you've got to participate, right? So that's what we talked about last week. If you missed it, it's, you can go either listen to it on our website or go to... Uh, Facebook and, and, and watch it. All right, so everybody's got a card. We'll collect that. It was at the end when we collect the, uh, uh, your Connect cards. All right, so again, happy Mother's Day. Uh, moms, you make a difference. Uh, hopefully you got treated a little special this morning. All right, how many got breakfast in bed this morning? How many hands? Guys. Now, I had an out. I'm studying. And, but you guys, anyway. Uh, no, all right. So you, you must have done something else. All right. How many of you got some cards this morning? How many cards? All right. Not, a few, a few. Okay. How many got gifts this morning? Of course, they might be coming later. All right. So many got gifts. How many are you going out to eat someplace today? Or how many of you, some, you're, yeah. How many are making special meals for you? All right, you don't have to cook today, right? Clean up. All right, special meals. Good, 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 good job. All right. Well, one reason uh, moms make a difference is from, from what they taught us. And a lady made a list one time about things that her mom taught us and see if you can relate. I can relate to some of these. Uh, my mother taught me religion. When I spilled grape juice on the carpet, she said, you better pray that stain comes out. <laughs> my mother taught me logic. Now, this is probably... Mom logic, because I said so, that's why. <laughs> my mother taught me foresight, make sure you wear clean underwear in case you're in an accident. My mom never shared that one with me. Uh, heard this one, mother taught me irony, keep laughing and I'll give you something to cry about. I uh, definitely heard that one. Mother taught me stamina, sit there until all your spinach is finished. You can put in whatever your least favorite food is. Taught me weather. It looks like a tornado swept through your room. This is probably my, one of my mom's favorites. The circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. <laughs> my wife has used that with our kids, too. Uh, behavior modification. Stop acting like your father. I don't know if I should have read that one, but anyway. <laughs> and I'm mindful of the kid that the... the uh, <coughs> was being interviewed by a teacher, I think it was, and I was asked, if you could change anything about your mom, what would it be? And he thought for a minute, and he said, I would get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. So we all experience that one too, right? Somehow our moms just kind of know and experience it. But when we talk about Mother's Day, it's also a difficult day for, for a lot of folks. And I 
I want to make sure uh, we address that. For people like me, my mom has uh, died over nine years ago, so I, haven't, I don't have my mom with me anymore. And I miss her, and it's a little bit hard, even though I obviously celebrate with my wife, who's the mom of our kids, and our, uh, our spouse's uh, uh, our spouse's mate, and of course our grandkids. Uh, you may not have a good relationship with your mom. Maybe at the present, maybe in the past at sometimes. And so that makes it difficult. And I understand some of you aren't moms. Some of you want to be moms and aren't moms. Um, so that's difficult too. And so you'll be able to relate uh, to, the, to the lady we're going to look at today. But I want to start off with a question. And it's kind of a rhetorical question because we all know the answer. And here it is. Moms, do you ever feel like a failure? Do you ever feel like you're not making a difference? Are you making a negative difference? Feel like you haven't disciplined your child correctly? Maybe you're too lenient, maybe too harsh. Maybe you haven't set a good example because none of us, no moms are perfect, right? Uh, being a mom is kind of like riding a roller coaster, isn't it? And today you're probably at a high. Hopefully you're your, your children and grandchildren and your spouse or whoever is celebrating you today. But we all fail. And so that's why we want to talk about you make a difference. I found this amazing statistic. It's a modern statistic. It was done by, <clears throat> uh, forget the, uh, George Barnum. He does a lot of, a lot of uh, surveying of people. And he asked teenagers, we have a few teenagers in here, who or what has the biggest influence on your life? You know, it could be a teacher or school, it could be church, it could be a youth pastor, it could be uh, a relative, it could be uh, a friend, it could be culture, I mean music and culture or movies or uh, movie stars, it could be lots of different things. What, who has the biggest influence? And 80 percent, 80 percent said the biggest influence in her life was their parents. In our culture today, I couldn't, it's almost mind-boggling to me, the teenagers came back with that response. So moms, parents, I'm going to talk about moms, but obviously we'll include parents, and these principles are probably good for, for most of us. You matter, even when you sometimes you don't feel like it. So we're going to look at a lady from the the Old Testament, her name is Hannah, and she had a very complicated life. She had a very emotional life. She was on this roller coaster. And um, as we pick up the story, she's really distressed because she wants to have children and can't. And let me give you a little background. <clears throat> she's married. The guy's name is Elkanah, her husband. And which is a little weird to us, he actually has two wives. And uh, Maybe one of the reasons he had a second wife was because Hannah couldn't have children. Children were huge in, in the Jewish culture, carry on the heritage, etc. Uh, they were always also the workforce, even in our country on farms until, you know, last hundred years or so before we got tractors and all that stuff. Uh, children were really important on the farm, farm hands and workers. <clears throat> also, it was the kind of the, I call it social welfare system. If you were a, ma, a, a lady without a husband, without a family, in that culture, you were destitute. There were very few jobs that you could do, uh, reputable jobs. 
and there were more men, women than men because of war and so forth. And so the, often they would have, if a, a man could support more than one wife, he'd have more than one wife to provide for her so she wouldn't be destitute. So it's a little strange for us. But the, on the flip side of this is it's got to be a weird family dynamic, doesn't it? <laughs> a man with two women. And we're going to see that in this story. And that's one reason I love the Bible so much. It's so real. It tells us like it is, especially in this story. So their family, we get together. Uh, they had children by the other wife. And so once a year, they go on a pilgrimage to the tabernacle that was in Shiloh. Eventually, that became the temple. Uh, in our, our thinking, we don't think about a special place to go, but that's what they did. So they went and offered a special offering and went and worshiped once a year. They made this pilgrimage. And so that's where we're going to pick up the story. In verse 5. Now, this is in a book called Samuel, and that's going to make sense here in a few minutes. Uh, very beginning of this book, actually, first and second Samuel. And this talking about her husband. Although he loved Hannah, he would give her only a choice portion, one portion, because the Lord had given her no children. Now, this translation is kind of hard to understand. Really, what it is, he gave her a special portion. Some translations say a second portion, all right, uh, because he loved her. It was his wife. Uh, hopefully he loved his other wife too, but he loved her even though she didn't have children. Now, he had the right to divorce her because she didn't have children. And, uh, but he still cared about her and uh, wanted what was best for her. So she had her husband's support. It was a little weird. We're going to find out here in a minute. <laughs> but uh, in this case. But then there's the other wife, right? And she has, she's the mom of the children. So we see this strange dynamic going on. <clears throat> so Peninnah, that's the other wife, would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Now, it's kind of hard again for us to comprehend. But in that culture, if you were blessed by God, you had children. So you, God wasn't blessing you for whatever reason. Or God didn't like you because he would give you children if he liked you. So basically saying, no, 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 I've got children, you don't. God likes me more than he does you. And just taunted her. And this didn't just happen once. This one happened over and over as we're going to see in the, in the next verse. They would do this pilgrimage once a year. And it's evidently, especially at this time, year after, uh, year, after year it was the same. Peninnah would taunt Hannah they went to the tabernacle, as they went to the tabernacle, each time. So this was a recurring event. Hannah would be reduced to tears. I can imagine that, and especially you ladies, I sure can. Imagine not feeling blessed by God because you can't have children, and you're, even though your husband loved you, uh, this other wife was, was providing children for him. She, you would feel like, you know, you didn't measure up. And of course, it made it worse that she was... <laughs> taunting her so she was reduced to tears and wouldn't wouldn't even be able to eat as we go through here I just want to point out some things that help all of us make a difference but moms for you to make a difference in your kids lives and in your family's lives so first resist comparing yourself to others I'm sure she compared herself and said you know I, I, I can't have children she does it's uh, so easy you know this, this mom, you know, you compare yourself. This mom just seems to have it all together and you're, you're frazzled. Um, you know, or she works and 
comes home and takes care of your kids and your stay-at-home mom, you can't seem to get together. It's easy to compare, compare yourself to your parents. I mean, this is a whole different generation. Um, it's interesting, fascinating actually to me that in the Old Testament, women had very little influence. They were considered second-class citizens. Even in Jesus' day, one of the amazing things about Jesus was he elevated the value of women. But in the Old Testament, you'd have these women like Deborah. She, the, the, the army had no, no male that would step up and be the military leader. So this Deborah comes along and leads the, the army into, into battle and, and victory. I, I can't imagine how she even got to that position. So that was certainly out of the stereotype of her day. Then years later, the Israelites are in captivity and they're threatened with genocide. This guy wants to wipe out the, the, the whole Jewish nation. And this lady just happens to be in the, <laughs> the king uh, harem. She gets picked to be the queen. but She has no power. And she finds out about this threat. And her name is Esther. And she boldly goes before the king with a threat of death because he didn't in, uh, invite her to come. And stands up for her family and for her race. And uh, the Jewish nation is spared. So Ken... There is no stereotype, well, there is, but don't try and fit yourself into a stereotype. God made you unique. You have strengths. Like celebrate your strengths. Obviously, we all have weaknesses, too. Give you an illustration from our lives. Uh, <clears throat> back in 1983, Joshua was supposed to go in the, he's our oldest, he was supposed to go in kindergarten. And we'd been listening to some radio programs and got some books, and we're reading about this thing called homeschooling. We didn't know anybody doing homeschooling. There was very few people doing homeschooling. And so we decided we were going to do this. Well, from our mothers down, everybody thought we were crazy. Uh, this, we didn't fit the stereotype. We went to school, so we ought to send our kids to school. And anyway, we started homeschooling, and most of you know we taught homeschooling our kids, all four kids all the way through. Part of that was on the mission field where it was necessary, but even when we came back. So, resist comparing yourself. Your family is your family. It's going to be different than all other families. Your mom is going to be different than every other mom. Celebrate uh, your uniqueness. So, the story goes on. While she's crying, and, and by my wife and I were going over this, she, my wife actually laughed when we read this verse, so just kind of warn you. Uh, while I was crying, Hannah... Why are you crying, Hannah? This is Elkanah asking her. He's concerned about his wife. She's crying. Remember the first time I asked my wife why she's crying? She told me, I don't know. I, <laughs> to this day, I haven't figured that one out. <laughs> but uh, ladies, I guess you understand that. Uh, why, are, what are you, why aren't you eating? Why are you downhearted? Just because you have no children? Now, that wasn't a very sensitive thing to say, was it? And then this last thing is even worse. You have me. Isn't that better than 10 sons? <laughs> Obviously, a, not a good thing to say. All right. That's Bible. Some of the Bible is stuff we should do. Some of the Bible is stuff we shouldn't do. This is something we shouldn't do. Now, we have no control over the way pe people treat us, the unkind things they may say to us, but we do have control over how we react to that. Uh, not the emotions necessarily but how we react and deal with that. So I just want to say this. You want to make a difference, moms? Don't give up on your dreams. Don't give up on your dreams. She'd had no children. This had gone on for years. But that was a passion of her heart, desire of her heart. She wanted children so badly. 
So don't give up on your dreams. And the hard part is the time lag, right? Being patient. I'm one of these these guys that think there's a special lane at the grocery store for impatient guys. All right? The problem would be be really long, right? Because all of us guys would be in that line. But I, I don't like to wait. And none of us like to wait, do we? And, and there's always, almost always, a time lag. And it's usually God's trying to teach us something or we need to learn something. And patience is one of those things we need to learn. But life has stages. We're in the empty nest stage. And some people told us that we didn't like it, but we love empty, sta- empty nests. Don't come home, kids. All right? <laughs> I know some of you kids are going back home. Well, we like just being us, okay? So empty, empty nest stage. And grandparent stage, that's, that's a cool stage. But there's some more uncomfortable stages. Maybe you're waiting to find that special person to spend your life with and have children with. Maybe you're in that stage, and that's a difficult stage. Maybe you're married, and you're waiting for the children to come. Or maybe you can't have children. Maybe you're trying to struggle with those other medical procedures we have now, and adoption, and all those things. So, so there's stages. There's the uh, so many blended families, that stage, uh, figuring all that out. But don't give up on your dreams. And Hannah didn't give up on her dream. So what's she going to do? Well, in her case, uh, they're, they're in Shiloh, and she says, once after a sacrificial meal, so evidently they were there for some amount of time, not just one day. Hannah got up and went to pray. So she goes to the tabernacle and, and, and prays. And she's going to pour her, her heart out to God because she really wants to have children, right? So in deep anguish, crying bitterly, she prayed to the Lord, God, I, I want to have children. More than anything, I want to have children. And I, I, I don't have children. There's, there's, I can imagine her saying, is there something wrong with me? Is there something else I need to do? Something I need to change so that you will bless me with children. Then she makes this vow and this uh, kind of promise, but also this kind of conditional statement with God. And I don't, I don't recommend this. I don't think the Bible's teaching us to do this all the time, but at some occasions, as this one, uh, God chose to bless it. So she made this vow. Lord Almighty, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son. So she's making condition. God, if you will do this, then I'll give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord and his hair will never be cut. That's a Nazarene vow. So in this point, I'm seeing her asking for help. If you want to make a difference, moms, uh, it's too hard to do alone, right? I tell you, often my heroes are, are single parents raising kids on, on their own. Ask for help. She went to the Lord, but ask for, for, for other people's help. There's so much pressure in raising kids now. I, I read this and it was just kind of, kind of a wake-up call to me. Uh, parents now, your generation, folks, some of you are parents in here with smaller kids. What, I, what I've been reading is that you have this almost need but this desire to never let your kids out of your sight now that's just mind-boggling to me because when i was growing up well we would go out with our friends and just play for hours and hours our parents wouldn't know where we were they weren't cell phones obviously and it was fine even when my kids were growing up but there's something about our culture and i think there's some good reasons maybe imagine the pressure of never wanting to let your kids out of your sight now in this case uh her husband loved her and would want to help, but there's really no, no way he could help. I'm sure he did his part, but there's no other thing he could do, right, to solve this uh, barrenness. 
So she went to the only source of help she had, and that was to God. Now this vow thing, most of you have probably heard of this, called foxhole religion. It's where you get in a difficult situation. As a teenager, you know, you're breaking curfew and you hope, pray my parents are asleep. If I get, get, get home safe without them finding out, God, I'll go to church every Sunday, right? We all made those kind of vows. Of course, it lasts for about two weeks, right? Uh, a foxhole, you're in a foxhole and your life is threatened. God, if you just get me out of this, I'll be this, this great person the rest of my life. And of course, it's just, you know, empty promises, right? God gets us out of that situation and, and we move on with our life. So we shouldn't make promises to anyone without keeping it. We certainly shouldn't make a vow to God without keeping it. So the story goes on. She's praying, and she's praying in, in, with such anguish. She's, her mouth is moving, and no words are coming out. And Eli, the high priest, he, he sees her. And his conclusion is, this lady's drunk because people don't do that. And so he chastises her and says, what's the matter with you? Coming to church drunk. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I need to explain. I need to apologize. I, I, I'm not drunk. I haven't been drinking. I'm just so distraught because I will so much want to have children and I can't. Please don't think me a, a wicked woman. And here's Eli's response. He, he, he was aware of the situation and he responded, I think, in a, in a really good way. Uh, <clears throat> in that case... She's explaining the situation. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Now, this again, this is hard for us to comprehend. If you're Catholic or have been Catholic, this is like the Pope saying this to you. I mean, you, you, you feel very, very special, right? That the Pope has gave you a special blessing. Well, that's what, what it felt like to her. And we see the tremendous change in her. Part of it, I'm sure, is pouring her heart out to God, but these, these words of encouragement from the, from the high priest. <clears throat> and so, her response is this. Thank you, sir. Obviously, respect, high priest. Then she went back and began to eat again. Good sign, right? And she was no longer sad. And this is big because she still wasn't pregnant. She still didn't have kids, right? All she had done is pour her heart out to God the high priest had, had, had blessed her and her life was changed. The way I interpret this is, is so important for us to accept the encouragement of others. I don't know what it is about us sometimes. People say nice things to us, encourage us, and, and we come back with, no, that's not true. Why do we do that? Accept and embrace the kindness and encouragement of others, especially when life is hard, when life is tough. So what made the difference with her? I, I believe it's prayer. If you're not a religious person or a Jesus follower, that, that's fine. But for her, a big part of it was prayer. But it was huge. I, I can't overestimate the, how huge it was that the high priest uh, encouraged her with those words. And I think finally what she did was just let it go. Gave it to God. Out of my hands. Well, if you read the story, that next year she gets pregnant and has a son. And next time they go to the, on this pilgrimage, she doesn't go. She said, I haven't, uh, my son's still nursing, can I get out of this? And her husband says, sure. And so the best we can tell probably about three years this goes on. She doesn't make the pilgrimage. She stays there. And then we pick up the story in verse 24. 
when the child was weaned, usually about three, Hannah took him to the tabernacle in Shiloh. And after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. Remember a vow? Remember a promise? No matter how difficult, and it's, I'm a parent, I can't, I'm not a mom, but I'm a parent, I can't imagine following through in this vow. She says, sir, do you remember me? And I'm thinking, he probably did. How many people come drunk to, to worship? <laughs> or she thought, he thought he was drunk. She was drunk. I'm the very woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy and he has granted my request. I prayed and God answered. So what's she going to do now? Now I am giving him to the Lord. I made his promise. And he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And they worship the Lord there. And she leaves him there and goes home. Three years old. Imagine. I don't know if I could do it. I didn't make that vow. But. So what was she doing? Well, and what, are, what do you do as a parent and as a mom? You're trying to prepare your, your children for the future, right? So what do you want their future to look like? You want know, to be rich? What do you want the future to be look like? I want to tell you what we pray for our kids. As soon as we conceived one of our children, our first prayer was, God, please let them be a Jesus follower when they grow up. Most important thing to us. That's all we wanted. We'd be happy. Of course, you pray that they'll be healthy when they're born. We prayed from the time of conception that they would become a Jesus follower. Another prayer we had is they would be fulfilled in their profession, meaning they would find a job they really enjoy. They don't have to make a lot of money, or hopefully enough to survive, but not a lot of money, but something they enjoy. Someone has said, if you find a, jo- a, a, a job you love, you never work a day in your life. So that was a prayer. And the next prayer was that they would find a godly spouse. Not a pretty spouse, not a rich spouse. I, told them, I always told them it's easy to fall in love with a rich person as it is a poor one but uh, uh, that wasn't our prayer for them Um, that they would find a godly spouse and then of course the cycle starts over with the grandkids right and there's the same thing there's the same things we pray we we pray but then you have to let them go right hopefully not at three years old but you let them go but even when you let them go we continue to provide for what they need don't you our oldest is 40 years old now it can't be possible my not that old, right? <laughs> but you continue to help prepare your children for the future. I don't know what that looked like for you. Um, the neat thing was in this story was Hannah every year went back to Shiloh and brought a new coat for Samuel to wear. Of course, it was a little bigger every year, I'm assuming, right? But can you imagine the sacrifice? I mean, how hard it was to leave it every, each year. Maybe we got to see your son for a week. Then we're going to see him for 51 more weeks. The sacrifice. How do you make that sacrifice? Well, she loved her son. She promised God. She honored God and she fulfilled her promise. And that son became Samuel, the high priest, which is fascinating because Eli's sons were horrible. If you read the story. So they didn't become the next high priest, which was normal. Samuel becomes the high priest. And he brought Israel into the, to the reign of, of kings. He anointed the first king, Saul, and then he had to go through Saul being pushed out for, for David. And one last thing. Remember your goals. 
Remember your goals, whatever they are. What are your goals? Why did you want to be a mom? Why? Was it something selfish? Or did you want to pour yourself into some other human being so they would grow up to be, uh, have a contribution to society? Could be the President of the United States. The most important thing to us is that they would be a love Jesus. So how do you rate success as a parent? How do you rate it? You have to decide that on your own. But we applaud you moms for your dedication, your sacrifice, all that you've done for us. Absolutely. So moms, you make a difference. All right? We always proclaim that. Dads, be supportive. I'm sure you, you are. And kids, continually say thank you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you so much for your son Jesus and your love for us. I, for me, the best examples of, uh, of your love for us are, are moms. They just are. They're sacrifice. Whether it be my mom or the mom of my children. Uh, thank you, God, for that, that sacrificial spirit of moms. Well, that's what love is. There's no love without sacrifice. God, I, I pray for all the moms here. I pray for all the, the would-be moms or the hopeful moms. That God, that you would bring that to fruition as you did with, with Hannah. That they claim that promise. And God, for those without children, uh, maybe in biological children, it could be adoption, maybe it's just pouring their lives into other folks' kids. Whatever would be their passion, God, whatever be your will for their life. We pray for anyone here, God, that's not a Jesus follower. We would just pray that day would be the day to step across that line, that they would be recipients of, of your love. Maybe they didn't have a great mom or great dad, but you're the perfect parent. You love us completely, unconditionally, hugely. We thank you for all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.